What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogs Haven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. Look, man, you know who I am. You can find me on Twitter, Molly Mall, at Let Mall Tell It. Do not forget to you. Um, but I will say one thing, man. Uh, if you are a Commanders fan, do not get on Twitter. And I hope you weren't on Twitter last night. Um, because this ain't this ain't the space is gonna make you even more frustrated <laughs> after the following um information that has come out after the game. Uh just whether it's pictures, videos, pressure, quote pressures, everything is just it's just a mess right now. So if you listen to this podcast, that just be the only thing that you listen to today. And then and then check back in with with the world on Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> But seriously, man, um, no, Washington loses 20 to 12 against the New York Giants. They they can't put up more than 12 points against the New York Giants. I mean, listen, we'll we'll talk about we can talk about the penalties right out the gate. First and foremost, let me preface it though. I am not, I will never sit here and say the Washington um commanders lost because of the refs. Um, the refs played a hand in this at the very end. But Washington failing on multiple occasions to put the ball in the end zone well before the final drive of the game and the final plays of the game is what led the commanders to have to rely on the refs to make the right calls. And we always say, especially in sports, I don't know if, if you all, if everybody plays sports, but the 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 true words of everybody who is in sports with officiating, I mean, what well, it is always officiating, don't let it come into the, get into the ref's hands. Don't ask them to make the judgment calls for you because you're just going to be frustrated if something does not go your way. Never allow the game to go into the ref's hands. You take control of it early. You have nothing to worry about. And that's my thing. Um, 12 points against this New York Giants offense. I mean, excuse me, against this New York Giants defense. Uh, I, I feel like, and, and we're going to like circle back to the penalties. Definitely have to circle back to those. Um, we'll circle back to a, a couple other things that that really is uh, a bummer um, in this moment, in this spotlight for Washington. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, when, when we start off the gate, my biggest thing was Scott Turner. Um, I didn't have no issues with the empty sets, right? And, and I think that the reason why it frustrates me, and I had to say that part out of the gate, isn't because, um, you know, they were so effective, right? You have to try and find an answer against the New York Giants pass rush. You have to try and find an answer. And, and if you can't identify, like, and pinpoint in max protection, which they ran a lot two weeks ago, if you can't identify the right slides, or the right uh, people to, to pick up. You have to find something else that works. And when it comes to, to, to pressure calls, you can do empty, you can do max. You can even think about keeping six in. But you have to try and find something. And Scott Turner went, went max protection the first game. They still gave up pressure, still gave up sacks. Still gave up, still forced, they still forced turnovers, the Giants did. They forced two on Taylor. And what happened this week? Same thing. Still got pressure. Still created turnovers. 
the first the first um turnover of the game by Kayvon, who had himself a day in an amazing first half. He had a strip sack from an empty set. Beating Charles Leno, though. Like it wasn't like he came in free. So I just think for for Washington um and Scott Turner, I don't have a problem with those, the decision to go empty uh and to really force Heineke and, and that defense to uh first for, excuse me, force the defense to declare, you know, where they're headed. Um, and even if they do disguise it well, um, you have to like there's gonna be somebody free and open right behind the blitzer. So you have to find that and recognize that, but also uh, you have to rely on Taylor Taylor to process this stuff quickly. And it wasn't all bad when they went in the empty. But my 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 biggest gripe is just understanding the flow of the game. Like we talked about this with Nick Ackerich, um in the, the 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 shows leading up to this matchup. Scott Turner is not an issue with play design. Like the issue was not is not play design. It's understanding the flow of the game, the feel for a game and he shows several occasions that he doesn't have the ability um, to consistently understand the flow of a game. At one point of this matchup last night, Brian Robinson had over 30 yards rushing in the first quarter. He had over 30 yards rushing in the first quarter. That man finished the night with 12 carries, 89 yards. Even though he had over 30 yards rushing in the first quarter. He was on pace for over 120 yards. Where did those last 31 go? <laughs> um, so that's 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 kind of my biggest thing. Like they finished the night 26 carries, 159 yards, 6.1 yards per carry. Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson had a true fill of the game, and Antonio had an 11 yard run that got called back. So he could have had six carries for 32. Um and and my thing is, and, and Taylor Heineke had him a, a good run in the the, the beginning, uh, the first play, or excuse me, the first drive of the game. He showed that he can take off a little bit. Um, so that was, uh, I, I it was encouraging. But like two plays later, after he he kept it, he made a bad he made, he had a bad judgment call handing the ball off when he could have had another keeper around Kayvon Thibodeau uh, for 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 a bigger game. Um, but my point is, and, and back to this. What was the incessant need to get Curtis Samuel involved when the Giants shown that they were really ready for your Curtis Samuel packages, your, your Curtis Samuel run looks? They defended it well, um, and it showed itself on the stats on the stat sheets. Five carries, one yard. So it showed itself like they were very, very well prepared for. But what was the need to continue to go back? I want to be clear though, because I think we all know this at, to this point. Like I'm not upset at. Washington trying to find ways to get Curtis Samuel to football. I will never complain about that. He has shown all season long how effective he is with the ball in his hands and how effective he is as a rusher. I'm not taking away from that. But my thing is, if you see that the Giants have come out well prepared to defend against Curtis Samuel and the, the opportunities or the threats that he provides to their defense, but you have a hot hand in Brian Robinson and a guy in Antonio Gibson who are clearly feeling themselves when they get the touch. When they get the handoff, why deviate away from your two best runners of the night? I think the De'Ami Browns um, carry, that was well-timed. Um, they was able to get um, around the edge and, and get the defense flowing the other way, and he he used his speed to get up for 15 yards, right? I think I think what they were able to do with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson was much more important on the night, and that was much more effective, and, and Scott Turner took it away from him. <laughs> 
took it away from themselves. That was the more frustrating thing of the night is understanding that Taylor Heineke did not have to be a hero for your team, for your team. But yet we continue to put him in situations where he was, he needed to pass the football. I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, and it's all from the player side, uh, excuse me, from Turner's side. Cause I, I want to get to Ron Rivera moving forward as well. Um, and I think I'll turn to that next, uh, cause that's my second biggest thing. Uh, and I think, with that being said, we're kind of outlining or getting a picture of where my where my frustrations lie. <laughs> um, yes, the players had issues, right? We talked about Taylor Heineke fumbling um, in a big moment for him, man. And, and that's kind of like the craziest thing, like heading into the game. Again, I said this is like one of his biggest stretches of games in his career. Like you can't afford to be the reason why your team lost. You can't be one of the top top reasons why your team lost you cannot afford to to have that in these moments and to have that in in a moment where you're in a national spotlight um is your team playing and one other team playing obviously and everybody has eyes on you on a sunday night where everybody's trying to look for a good game i hope that it's a good game same thing with monday night and taylor has himself a sporadic day but you have two costly turnovers that lead to 10 giant points one directly was a fumble six. The other one, you're in the red zone on third and four and find yourself fumbling the football, trying to trying to escape a pocket. And then you lose the, the football. Ball security is important. And if you can't afford to, to hold on to the football, if you're not able to hold on to the football, that's four, that's four fumbles from Taylor in his last two games. Obviously, both coming against the Giants, but that's four fumbles in the last two games for Taylor Heineke. And he lost three. That is a, a, a player who is clearly um in recent weeks, to be honest with you, he's catching up with you know his uh turnover worthy plays. If that makes sense. Like he ain't throwing the interceptions like as many as he should have, but he's had four fumbles in the last two weeks, three of them were lost. That is like the volatile nature of Taylor Heineke in his offense. Um, it's just showing itself in different ways. Uh, and, and what really hurts is that drive. Uh, and I'm gonna get back to my point with Taylor and, and keep it pushing, right? But uh, what really hurts on that drive where he fumbled in the red zone is is that it was one of their, it's one of their better drives, man. They start off the drive with a 61 yard bomb to Jahan Dawson, like a dog, and, and I, that goes without saying. We 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 know this. We have said this on this show throughout the entire season. He makes the difficult catches look easy because they are easy to him. It ain't easy to everybody out on that field. Everybody can't do what he do. But, like, his presence at the catch point, his ability to focus in, uh, stay calm, and, and make a play, like, have that instinctive ability to know what he needs to do in order to call in this patch, this pass at this moment is what makes his catch radius incredible because he can do a lot of things that people don't really think of at the catch point. And that's from a mental standpoint. His athletic ability is crazy too. Um, but 61 yards on the first play of the drive. Um, the next play is 19 yards from Brian Robinson. So already after two plays, starting at your own nine, you're at the Giants 11. <laughs> you find yourself in a third and four, bad play, ends up giving a sack, and then you fumble, man. That's bad. That's bad ball. That 17-12 score ends up being 17-15. And that was the last drive or the second to last drive of the game. But 
for Taylor Heineke again in that moment where you know all eyes are on you, you had so much pressure on you to come through and deliver for your team, uh, and come through and deliver for yourself, and you had you had too many bad spots, way too many bad spots, and two of those two of those fumbles or two of those turnovers were directly related to you, um, and they led directly to New York Giants points. Ten total points off of turnovers, you end up losing twenty to twelve. Um. But yeah, that that was that's my thing with with Scott Turner is just understanding like the flow of the game. Like I said when we when we first started about that, uh, Ron Rivera. Um, secondly, just understanding you know some of his decisions that he made throughout the game, right? And it showed itself in the first half. And and what really stands out to me is like the different uh, mindset between Brian Dayball and then um, Ron Rivera all together. First, let's go ahead and like hear what Ron Rivera had to say after the loss. Um, and we'll go from there, but but here's what Ron had to say following the loss, uh, or a, a quick little snippet of what he had to say following the loss against the New York Giants. Yeah, you Ron, I know the team uh, plays hard for you uh, throughout, but when Heineke gets a second fumble and then Barkley has three consecutive runs, 10, 12, 15 yards, did you feel like some of the air maybe got uh, taken out? A little bit, a little bit, you know. Um, and, you know, that's going to happen. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And that did happen for a few plays, and, and you know, we forced the field goal attack. Uh, Rivera's pissed off. Uh, rightfully so. Like, the penalties – um, the lack thereof in, in critical moments. Um, Ron Rivera was going, he was barking at the refs all night. And like he understood clear, like you don't see Ron that animated on the sidelines typically, like in moments, right? Um, typically he's like a reserved individual. Um, and that's what he was in in moments uh against the, the Giants. But like he was talking a lot more than normal or more than usual. Uh, last night against the Giants and like I said he has a right to be pissed off but here's the thing man the difference between Brian Dayball and Ron Rivera to me is the first the first uh possession right third and nine at the New York Giants 31 um Heineke drops back they try to pass he gets sacked so now it's a 39 goes into a fourth and 12 my thing is in that instance right if you knew that you were in two down territory, why not treat that third and nine like it's a second and nine? Right. And and I should have been clear before I even started this. The reason why I'm bringing this one up and the reason why uh, uh, this is important is because Ron Rivera said, you know, they ended up punting on fourth and 12 at the New York Giants 34 yard line. Ron Rivera said that he was a little bit hesitant on. Um, he was a little bit hesitant on allowing Joey Sly to come out there and kick a field goal at the 34-yard line because of the wind. And he was afraid that if he went out there and kicked the field goal and missed it, that would be a problem. I want to remind you all that <laughs> Richie James, when they punted, he returned it to the New York Giant 30 on a 23-yard return. But my thing is, if it's on 39 and you had an idea like, all right, um, if we don't get this, we have to think about what we're going to do. 
And if your idea at third and nine, if you didn't get it, was to punt the I mean to punt the football at the 31 yard line, then why not run the football with the hot hand yet again? Set yourself up in a fourth and five, fourth and four situation, like your idea, knowing that you're gonna go for it, right? Or maybe that may be comfortable enough for you to kick a field goal. You never know. But if you're gonna be in two down territory in that situation, which you should, because you're you're like it's better to keep your offense on the field than punt in a in a spot where you you are uh in in prime field position uh for a field goal for a professional nfl kicker so why not keep your offense on the field as opposed to punting um so that's the first one right 39 at the new york giants 31 they pass the ball to get sacked ultimately end up punting at the the on fourth and 12 at the new york giants 34 yard line um there was two more Two more play, uh, one more actually for the the Washington side, right? So now you're at um, the New York Giants 40 yard line. This is the fourth drive of the game, um, the one where <laughs> you have Deami Brown, right? Um, and this one was a little frustrating. I think I mentioned it earlier. Uh, you know, you're taking a deep shot to Deami Brown. Taylor Heineke is like in a moment where you know you're pressing and and you really want to kind of showcase, you know, why. You should be that guy, like trying to make plays, trying to be the hero for your team. Um, and, and I mean this from a coordinator standpoint and from a quarterback standpoint. Like there was a lot going on where you know some passes didn't need to be made while some passes did. And on that shot play to Deami Brown, I do not understand for the life of me why you are bird dogging your receiver. Uh, my favorite word, <laughs> but really just staring down your receiver in a situation where you have um Antonio Gibson wide open in the flat. Like that's 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 your that's your call on first down and 10 at the New York Giant 44 yard line when there's a receiver or a defender eight yards away from Antonio Gibson. He needs to be the guy that gets gets the ball in that situation. Like you're the hero of your offense by playing smart football and not wasting it, wasting them down like that. Though I'm not mad that you're taking shots at the 40 at, in, in, in that situation altogether from a, a overall standpoint. But when your person is that wide open in the flat, like just 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 dump it off, man. Um, but on that drive, fourth and six at the 40 yard line, the New York Giants 40 40 yard line. Um, you're in no man's land. The score is 73. Like, you trust your defense, right? You're in no man's land, and you decide to punt. The difference between Dayball and Ron, Ron Rivera was shown on the very next New York Giants drive where they drive 18 plays, 97 yards, an eight-minute drive that ends in a touchdown. Washington forces uh, the New York Giants uh, to, to face a fourth down call on fourth and nine at the Washington 35-yard line. This is the same side, mind you, though, that, you know, Ron Rivera complained about the wind. So who knows? Like if if watch if the Giants would have attempted to kick a field goal, but it doesn't matter because why they went for it on fourth and nine at the 35-yard line and converted. The Giants did a really good job uh, in that first half, like working the middle of the, the field of uh, the commander's defense and really working those slot cornerbacks. Um Bobby McCain had himself a time, uh, unfortunately, but I think that he was in position for 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 the most parts, but like again, like one of his issues is just not making plays on the football. Like he can be in good coverage all he wants to, but he ain't making plays on the football. You know, that's gonna hurt. That's gonna hurt him. That's gonna hurt this team. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, but but again, third and nine, it, you get a stop, and then fourth and nine, you get a you get a, a conversion, bro. It's kind of frustrating just understanding the different makeups. Like Brian Dayball understands that I'm better off keeping my offense on the field than giving the ball back to the other opponent, especially when we're this close to scoring. I would rather be aggressive and make the play. I don't understand sometimes how Rivera and company, you know, only trust or only wants Taylor Heineke to throw the football on fourth down when they're trailing. And there's no other drives left in the game. Like you have to go for it on fourth down. How about you show your aggressive uh, nature or show that, you know, you trust these guys on offense in situations like this, like we expressed in the two opportunities before this 18 play drive for Washington. How about you give your offense a chance to stay on the field as opposed to punting and trusting your defense because it's a conservative nature, right? There's nothing wrong with being conservative, but when you're too conservative to the point where you think that that has to be your identity, it doesn't have to be your identity 24-7. You can break your identity. You can break the mold and and, and actually do something that's more progressive but much more uh, uh, accepted from your team, from your, your coaches, right? And from your fans, like you energize your fan base by by having these uh these attempts and, and really trying to keep your offense on the field to put up points knowing that you need to have a sense of urgency knowing that you need something from this unit you thought punting the football was the answer the giants showed you when they had an opportunity on fourth and nine that punting the football is is not the answer and and i'd rather keep my offense and, and try to try to score points or try to uh do the right thing by keeping my offense on the field rather than giving the ball back to the commanders uh in this in this very exact situation a very similar circumstance um so that's that uh i i think that for for the coaches and for the players man um and i'll get to the defense in a second but from the coaches and from the players just understanding what was at stake against the giants um they did a lot of bidding for from fans right you did a lot of bidding for the fans over the, the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, Charles Leno handed out tickets, gave away tickets. He purchased tickets and, and gave them out. Same thing with Jonathan Allen, I believe. Um, he purchased tickets. He handed them out. Um, and, and it, when every everybody answered the call from the fan base, man, everybody answered the call from the fan base. Derek Forrest, he wanted that that bowl. He wanted that stadium packed. Uh, he said that in his in his little social media appearances, like he put a bid in. Um, it was somebody else that I'm not thinking that I can't remember the name right now. They it was like four people that really put a bid in getting trying to encourage the fans to come out. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, there's a couple things wrong with that, and I'll explain why. But like from the general nature, there's nothing wrong with asking your fans to come out and show support. But for Washington. They have done this several occasions over the past couple of years. The first one that I that I really remember is 2018. Um, again, this is not a Rivera team, but 2018, um, heading into the Houston game, the game that Alex Smith got hurt. You had uh I don't remember who it was at the time at that point, but you had people saying, Look, man, we ain't got no fan support. Essentially, like the crowds are dead. We need at like we're a six and three football team. Why do we not have anybody in the stands? People answered the call, and and what happened? Loss, an embarrassing loss. Like they kept turning the football over, um, they couldn't get out of their own way. It was a frustrating night. Twenty twenty one. Um, I never forget this because I was there at the preseason practice. 
Ron Rivera encouraged fans to come out and show support to this team. Uh, we need you. We we need you there. We need your support. Um, all those things, right? It was all over Twitter. He made that speech and they put it on Twitter. Uh, seven and nine, or seven nine and seven and ten. Excuse me, seven and ten. Um, you start out two and six. Uh, you save face by that four by getting that four game win streak, right? So essentially, seven and ten season. Um, and your defense is is terrible all year. Like you have some individual people standing out, but your defense as a unit is terrible all year. Um, so you put the bid out before the season and you you embarrass yourself. And then this this year, what we just talked about, like you like I know somebody, uh shout out to Scott, man. Um I, I didn't text him last night after the loss, uh, but Scott of Hogs Haven, Scott Jennings, uh he made the he made the trip out here to the game and um Right, he ain't been to a game in six years. Like people answered this call, and for you to let them down again in one of the biggest moments of your organization, your new organization, the Commanders, right? The rebrand. Um, you tell people to answer the call, do their part, and you don't do your part. That defensive, that defense for the, the Commanders, man, had like they did solid for the most part up until the the final drives by the new york giants saquon only had 18 carries 87 yards but majority of his yards came on uh really one drive in particular that that led to the new york giants field goal like he had 12 yards on the first play to drive 15 yards on the next play to drive 14 yards on the next play to drive like he was towing he was towing and washington had no answers for him on that particular drive um, when, when Washington really needed to stop, they end up allowing the, the Giants to drive down on a 54 yard drive and kick a field goal. Um, altogether, um, Daniel Jones only ends up with 160 passing yards. Um, uh, so that's not a big deal, but when it really mattered again, that's that 18 play drive, you could not get that man off the field. You could not get that offense off the field. How do you let a Giants offense as inept as they are? go 97 yards on you that's all i'm saying you didn't answer the call you let your you let your fans down once again you let the people you let the people who you encourage to come out there witness something and in an embarrassing fashion in the sense of uh i'm not saying embarrassed like you got whooped on right but you looked so inept you you missed so many opportunities you didn't execute from a, a defensive standpoint and from an offensive standpoint uh, penalties killed you, um, especially offensively. Like all those things hurt you, and you found yourself in a situation where you needed a game-winning drive or a game-tying drive at the end of the game. And now you look at the refs, and you're saying they ain't the reason why we lost. But I sure as hell would have liked that pa- that pass interference call. Like that that is that is the more frustrating part is is understanding that. Y'all continuously, y'all meaning the Washington commanders, continuously to ask for fan engagement instead of just winning and worrying about fan engagement when the time is right. And that's the situation that you look yourself into, man. You can't you can't do that. Like you can't continuously ask for fan, like they get caught up in that so much. And there's nothing wrong again with encouraging fans, but when you have a reputation of not delivering in big moments. 
that is where you're asking yourself, why do I care this much when we aren't a good football team? Good football teams come through for their fans. Good football teams show that the moment isn't too big for them. They just aren't there yet. They just aren't there yet. It was one moment on in this game where I, I'm not going to lie to you all. I, I knew that Washington wasn't winning this game. When they zoomed in, again, I'm not saying that Derek Forrest quit. I'm not saying that because I'm about to talk about Derek Forrest, obviously. But I'm not saying that Derek Forrest quit. I'm not saying that the team quit or anything. But there was a moment they zoomed in on Derek Forrest, and this was the first half of the game. He looked confused. And I think this was the miss of the 18-play drive. He looked so confused. He didn't even know what was going on. Like he didn't know he his facial expression told me he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know how this was happening, but that it was happening, and he didn't have an answer. Like that's what it looked like. And I said, Oh my God, they lost. I said that then in my head. I didn't tweet it. What was the, what's the point of tweeting it? Like it was a close game. But I said in my head that they lost. Um and, and that was the makeup of the night, man. Uh, two different approaches. Uh, one team, while they knew they didn't have the horses to compete, uh, like straight up in one-on-one situations for the, for like an overall roster perspective, they came out prepared. Um, no turnovers for the Giants. No turnovers forced for Washington. Um, they executed uh, in, in in some big spots. It wasn't like they were great offensively on third down, two or ten, right? But they didn't. They had one opportunity in the red zone and they scored. They scored a touchdown. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it's at, man. I, I I just feel bad for the fans who answered the call. I feel bad for uh the people who 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 bought into the team. And I'm not saying that it's nothing wrong, right? It's three games left. The biggest thing was you couldn't lose to the Giants, but there's three games left. You're still in a playoff spot. The season is not over. I don't want to make it seem like it's a doom and gloom, but I I, I want to just get across for like the thousandth time that it's just not an ideal situation when you worry about your fan base coming together and supporting you when there is nothing consistent about your team that's that's all i'm saying um and that's the more important part that i want to get across uh, about that but playoff wise man you're still in it um three games left san francisco up next uh that's not looking pretty i don't expect washington to win um and i don't think that it's going to be close knowing how how bad the trenches are (laughs) um i think this is a game where um, you look at the quarterback situation and you do have to ask yourself, like, is it worth um putting Carson Wentz in? I don't think the answer is going to be yes. Uh, but I also think that the answer will be yes for the last two games. Um, I think that Washington is going to ask Carson Wentz specifically. I mean, excuse me, they're going to ask a, 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 a Taylor Heineke specifically to, to show me something against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I personally think that that the reason why they'll have to make the switch is because the quarterback that's playing, i.e. Taylor Heineke, leaves them with no other choice. Like it's undeniably bad and we have to get back to the person that we traded for. I think the Giants game wasn't good, but I don't think that was enough for them to deviate from a five at the time, five, one and one, now five, two and one uh, team with Taylor Heineke as their starter. He wants to see more evidence that convinces him that, hey, I have no choice but to go back to Carson Wentz. That wasn't the game. But I think the San Francisco 49ers game is probably it uh, for Taylor. 
Um, and it's not going to be his fault altogether. Like that defense is humming. They're the number one defense in the NFL. They are by far better than Washington. I had people tell me that they were up, that Washington's defense was up there with the Niners. No. And I said that. So I'm not like making this up after the Giants game. I said that before the Giants game. So I stand on it. But you're going to see the difference in, in defenses when we play, when we play the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. They're still in it, man. You could not lose to the Giants. That was my main thing. Um, and now you have the San Francisco 49ers up next. Uh, and you're looking at a Deshaun Watson team right after that. Um, the Browns, I don't, I don't know if they're going to get things right before the season ends. But at the end of the day, you can't afford to lose any more games um outside of the Niners like you have to find a way to beat Cleveland you have to find a way to beat the uh the, the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Cowboys will ultimately be playing for something because they're going to be competing with the Niners for that two seed and that may be that may mean a lot uh when that divisional week comes so we'll see um last thing is the referees uh so they spoke on um they spoke on uh the missed pass interference call, right? And let me see if I can grab that for a second. They spoke on the spoke on the missed pass interference call, and they also spoke on the illegal formation from Terry McLaurin. Uh, and I'll read the following this from John Hussey after the game. Uh, they asked about Terry play first, and um, if the referee or the official was obligated to tell Terry that he's at the line or not. And Hussey said, "I didn't see any of that because I'm in the backfield." What I was told and what has been confirmed is that the ball was snapped at the half yard line and he lined up a yard and a, a yard back at the one and a half yard line. In order to be deemed legal, he needs to break the belt line, the waist of the center, and he was not breaking the waist of the center. That's why the penalty was called because he was not in a legal formation. Um, and a follow up was when a player does point to the official in the way that Terry did, pointed twice. He got corrected the first time. And then there was nothing after that, but he pointed again to confirm, and, and they still called the, the penalty. But she asked, when a player does point to the official like that, does the official have to say whether or not he's at the line? Hussey said, not typically, and the official could be doing other things like counting the offense. There's a multitude of different duties, so I can't confirm whether the official even saw that or not, but he was clearly off the line of scrimmage. Um, And, I mean, that kind of explains some things, but at the end of the day, you know, there's a dude like, within five yards of you, meaning the official, there's an official. I mean, there's a player within five yards of you, Mr. Official. And you're telling me that you see this man pointing to you trying to check in. Right. And you can't confirm that he's at the line or not. I think that's just an egregious miss and, and a clear communication error between player and official. And, and truthfully, you, you see the intent of the player trying to make sure that he's on the line. He's very aware that he needs to be on the line. And and he gets a flag called on him. Last thing on the fourth down call. Um, the question is on the fourth down play, does it look like defensive pass interference against Curtis Samuel? Um, and then Hussey says, pass interference is a judgment call. To the officials, it didn't rise to what they felt was a restriction, so they didn't call it. That's basically the bottom line. It's a judgment call, and they didn't believe it was pass interference. But let me tell you one thing, and I mean this with all due respect. I am not an a-hole, and this is not a person in myself who really cares that much about officiating when you score 12 points leading up to the final drive of the game. 
if that was a judgment call and the official who was responsible, he or she, I don't know. There was, um, I don't even know who's on that side. But if that's a judgment call and you put that in the hands of your referee or your official to make that call, and it was a call of that egregious, wrapped up Curtis Samuel before the ball was thrown and hugged him even tighter when the ball was thrown. You don't deserve to officiate anymore the rest of the season. You do not belong in a crew. You need to go back to training. Because if you're talking about looking, trusting your eyes and seeing what you need to see to make that call, and you feel like from your judgment call, that wasn't it. When a report will come out this week to tell the commanders the for what is worth, this was past interference after further review. You don't deserve to be on no more big games. Keep you relegated to the one o'clock. And when playoffs start, you done. You threw. That was egregious. Um, and, and for that to be a judgment, I mean, we all knew it was a judgment call. We all know that, like, just from the, the letter of the law, it's, it's judgment. But you can't, you can't miss that, man. You can't miss that. Um, that's gonna wrap it up for me. Uh, I, I did do a lot of talking today, and it's crazy. I guess I didn't even realize realize I was in the flow. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. Uh, that's gonna wrap it up for me again. Like I said, so I will be back throughout the week. Uh, y'all take care, man. Keep your head up. Seven, six, and one ain't pretty. Seven, six, and one. That six loss being very ugly altogether um, wasn't pretty. Uh, but on in San Francisco, uh, we got to go ahead and prep for that. So I'll take it easy. Stay safe. All that good stuff.